Hey men, welcome to the Faith Bridge Men podcast. I'm your host, Mace Perez, and I'm so excited that you are joining us as we continue our current season, Fight the Good Fight. Today is a bonus episode because I really wanted you to meet a friend of mine, if you don't know him already, and I want you to hear about an amazing opportunity that he is leading the charge on. So uh, please help me welcome my friend, Jason Connor. Jason, thanks for being here today. Hey, Mace. Good to be with you. Yeah, and, and I know you and your family have been around uh, FaithBridge for a long time. You've been involved in a, a variety of roles, either on staff or as a server. But for those who don't know you, just tell us a, a little bit of general information about you, your family, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, so my wife is uh, Hannah Connor. Uh, we've been married for 18 years now. Uh, we've got two kids, our daughter who is 11, her name's Davy, and our son Ransom is seven years old. And we, uh, the newest member of the family, uh, Jack, who's our, our COVID, COVID baby, he, uh, dog, he, golden <laughs> retriever mix, He's, uh, he just turned two in March. You'll be oh, happy wow. to know. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I cannot believe your kids are 11 and 7. That is nuts. Oh, man, time flies. Well, um, getting a little bit deeper um, beyond those things. Um, so we've been uniting this entire spring semester around this rally cry of, of fight the good fight. And our working definition of what that means is that fighting the good fight is believing the true gospel and being transformed by the gospel. So um, as we just continue our conversation here, tell us a little bit about how you came to believe the true gospel and how you have been transformed by the gospel in the years since deciding to follow Jesus. Yeah, so for me, it started when, as long as I can remember, um, at least proximity to the gospel. Uh, my mom was one of those faithful uh, who, my father was not a follower of Jesus, and so she was leading the charge at home to have me and my sister in church whenever the doors were open kind of deal. So my experience growing up was a lot of church. Um a lot of Sunday school, Wednesday night, Sunday evening, uh, I was there. And uh, generally, church was a positive experience, uh, thankful to say. Um, but in in hindsight, and it was low on the list of priorities for me. It was um, being someone who's just always curious what else is out there. Um, it, it sure looked like there were a lot more interesting things to be doing with my time mm. than church. And so um, as a, a high schooler, I feel that tension more so as you kind of begin to get the opportunities. You get invites to other places, and you get invites to those other things that you've always maybe been held back from or warned against uh, your whole life. And I began getting opportunities to go to the parties and go to places where there you know, wasn't a godly influence or parents around. And those things had a big appeal to me. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my I would say departure as I started to kind of make some decisions of my own, um, but it was um, yeah. So there was a period of time where I had had an exposure to the things of God, but wasn't really interested in what I knew of it at the time. And so that I guess was really kind of about a six eight year period of me just kind of doing whatever Jason wanted to do, whatever you know seemed shiny and fun and interesting. Like I was all in. I'm kind of an all-in guy. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, yeah, over time, I realized that um, a lot of those things weren't really so shiny once you spend a little bit of time there. 
uh, weren't so fun when you started seeing some of the heartache and brokenness that that came with Mm -hmm. that scene. And um, yeah, I didn't really have any epiphany other than I I wasn't interested in those things anymore. And so I had kind of entered into a season where I was removing myself from a a longstanding Mm -hmm. friend group and just kind of hanging out and and a bit more of solitude, which is really unusual for me. And uh, I got an invite to church. Uh, one of those kind of gentle ones that my sister was always faithful to throw out once or twice a year in that season. And uh, I was kind of like, yeah, I'll give it, a, give it a shot. Wasn't really chasing God or anything like that. But from the bulk of my experience, um, uh, most of my church friends of memory, you know, weren't necessarily um, chasing parties and drugs and things like that. So I thought we'd at least have that in common at the time. And again, it had been a positive place for me. So I was like, yeah, why not? And um it was during that season, early into that invite, I met um, my wife, who had been Hannah Martinez, uh, and uh, God would use her to kind of give me a little more longevity on the, on the church scene. Um, <laughs> I took an interest to her pretty quick, and, um, and we began dating, and really it was in the process of getting to know her, and, and then pretty quick, in short order, her parents, uh, Rose and Dave Martinez, were really instrumental in what I came to know as, as faith and, and personally following Jesus. And yeah, just a, a process of getting to know them and in conversations about their faith as it would come up and their experiences of God and what it looked like to follow Jesus or what it didn't look like maybe um, really just brought me to a place where I was very gently challenged to kind of test God, mm-hmm. right? And and look into his word for myself and and trust him in, in these you know things that he's declared are true of himself, and uh, so that really kind of is the path that where God led me to Himself, um, and yeah, I really just felt challenged to consider. We all like to think of ourselves, I think, as, as thinking, rational mm-hmm. people, right? We don't do anything whimsically or right. emotion <laughs> or right. No one tempted me. I chose to do that. I right. knew it, right? And so I guess kind of on. On that basis, I thought, well, let me let me examine the claims of Jesus, right? If if I am looking for more than than what I've seen the world has to offer, if it is in the world of religion, let me just start with, with what has been familiar to me thus far, and and give it a go. So I began reading the Bible for myself, trying to work my way through it. And when I would come to passages where it seemed like God was like making a definitive statement about Himself, I would kind of a just kind of a crazy man's prayer, uh, crazy in that like if there is no God, you're just a guy talking to himself. Uh, what do you have to lose? You mm-hmm. know, as long as it's not in the middle of the mall. Uh, but um, but if there is a God, and and what if He does answer? And what if what if these claims are true? What if He is who He says He is? Um, was kind of my mindset. Yeah. And so I kind of yeah entered into a period where I was just yeah really seeking God and talking to Him, not sure if He was there, and willing to see Him in right if He's if He's the God who He says He is. He's, he's all creative and, and all-powerful, like, what kind of ways might you want to show up? It was like my opportunity to say, like, you can be whoever you want to be, but just show yourself to me, and, you know, I might be interested if you if you are there. And so, yeah, that led me into a, a really cool season of seeing God show up in, in weird, unexpected, cool ways, and really showing himself and growing my faith, and... uh Again, kind of being an all-in kind of guy. Like once I started to, to see that truth for myself, I was just like, okay, well, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it what does it mean to to seek Him first and to prioritize Him first in my life? 
And for us, that was kind of happening around, I guess the, that happened over a course of years, but uh, there was a, a point in our lives in, in which I said, well, we've done a lot of other things mm -hmm. for a lot of other reasons because the world says you should do this and shouldn't do that and you, you should go to college and you should right, do all these things. And I thought, you know, if we're prioritizing God first, like how can we say we've done that? Like right. he's totally been at best second in, in all these other things. And so I, Hannah and I were married by that time. And so we, we chose to do a discipleship with an organization called Youth with a Mission uh, and just really kind of devote a season to God and go, you know, if he wants us to go back to the status quo after this, happy to do that. If he wants to send us anywhere around the world doing anything, like we want to seek him for that and just know that we've carved out some time specifically for him uh, that we would know him more and know his plans for us. Mm. And yeah, so that was that's, again, it stretched out over a period of years, yeah. but that was kind of what led me into that, what I kind of would define as the beginning of that season where I would say I understood, began to understand what it means to, to follow Jesus and put him first yeah. in life. That's great. Um, as someone who has, you know, had the pleasure of knowing you for a while, I... I can affirm and corroborate and uh, speak personally how I have been ins inspired and encouraged and challenged by the example that you and Hannah set of people who are passionate about Jesus and will truly surrendered and willing to follow him wherever and, and do some things that, that seem crazy in the eyes of the world, but because it's not of the world, it's from God. And so uh, just know that your your light shines brightly, Jason. I know I speak for everyone who knows you and uh, are just in constant encouragement and reminder that um, putting God first, um, his ways are better, and there's more joy. Not that it's always easy, but there's more joy found in, in those things than chasing those other shiny things that yeah, the world sure. offers us. So I appreciate your humility and willingness to share that. And I also think, um, you know, just going back to the beginning of your story, um, while I, I want to be clear to give credit to the many godly women that the Lord used in your wife or in your life, your your mom, your sister who extended that, you know, once yeah. or twice a year invite, and then of course Hannah and just what a gift she is. Um, but, you know, just thinking back to the beginning of your story of you had a, a father who was not very spiritually engaged, and it just makes me think about the importance of what we do here um, at FaithBridge generally, and of course, specifically in the realm of men's ministry of FaithBridge, is mm -hmm. that, you know, by God's grace, I hope that that story, while God used it, and praise God that you're here today, in spite of some of those things, that I pray that the number of families here at FaithBridge, loosely connected to FaithBridge even, that that story would be become more and more of a rarity as, as mm -hmm. men truly understand what you have now since come to understand is the reality of Christ and the gospel, but then also what it truly means to follow him. And uh, that makes me think of the importance of the work that you're doing now. So um, you recently started working at CareNet. So for those who don't know what that is, uh, what is CareNet and what is the kind of broad mission of CareNet? Yeah, CareNet is a pregnancy center uh, based here in Northwest Houston. We have two locations uh, locally. We are part of a national organization. We're affiliated with CareNet National, which uh, is comprised of over 1,100 
pregnancy resource centers across the country. And the aim is to meet uh, historically women and now women and men uh, with the love of Jesus in, in word and in deed and in very practical ways. So um, our center focuses on offering a couple of services up front as far as pregnancy tests and ultrasounds. Uh, for someone who thinks they might be pregnant, uh, most of the uh, women and men that we see are not there because they've been planning to have kids, but because they just realized, right, through whatever the circumstances, they think they might be or they pretty sure that they are pregnant, and they're just really not sure what to do about it. Like, what are their options? What are their resources? Um, and frequently in a place where some, some parts of their community may know, but oftentimes um, maybe no one else knows, and they need someone to talk to, a uh, safe place, someone maybe outside of their community uh, where they can get some, some feedback and get some input on kind of what's going on in their life. And so we're, yeah, just meeting uh, women and men. Uh, with that, offering some just education and resources in the community to uh, try and help them make um, a pro-life decision. Right. Uh, ultimately, of course, recognizing that decision is theirs, but offering, again, ed education right. and, and, and a safe place just to talk and be heard exactly right. as well as a big part of it. And uh, from the sound, sound of it, you know, encouragement, support, and hope. And I, I was just thinking as you were talking, I was just, uh, you know, having lunch with a friend who, um, you know, by worldly standards, you know, they're, they're in pretty good shape, stable home life, good jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but they, they have a surprise, uh, third child on the way. And, uh, just thinking about the natural anxiety and stuff that comes regardless of your worldly circumstances, but to imagine to be, uh, you know, I assume pre pre predominantly young woman or young man in that position, like you said, not this was not part of the the plan. Um, how scary that must be! Mm -hmm. And so to have people who love Jesus who are willing to be there to meet them where they're at and just offer them information and encouragement and hope. Just just what a beautiful thing y'all are doing. And um, regardless what happens with the laws of the land, um, any changes that may be coming there young moms and dads or older moms and dads for that matter are still going to need that, right? They're still going to need that hope, that encouragement, that support. Yeah, absolutely. That That's very true because um, we don't know what's going to happen, but but our our call and our, our kingdom mission is unchanged, right? right? And whatever the circumstances are. And so we, you know, it, it may it ebb and flow, shift a little bit this way, a little bit that way, but the goal is always going to be the same to meet people, Um in a bad place and try and bring that good news and again in the knowledge of Jesus Christ but also in, in practical ways to just support them in whatever way they need. Um, it, you make a good point too. I mean I think sometimes people think about pregnancy resource centers and and you know the 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 very young are, are part of the demographics that we serve but uh, the truth is that really a, any woman of childbearing age um, is that, that's who we're serving. Right. Because uh, a lot of times uh, they very well can be the couple with two or three, and they don't know how they can make the third or fourth work right. financially. And so the, those families are just as much a part of who we're ministering to as, you know, the young woman in high school or college. Right. Right. Yeah. No, such a good point. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your specific role that you've been brought on to do. And uh, certainly... Some of this has already come out as well, but 
you know, why you think the work that you're doing specifically in your role um, and the opportunities um, that you're offering, why those are important and then why you're passionate about them. Yeah, there's um, a couple of general statistics that um, I think are really helpful in defining the, the work that we do and the aim and then the results of that. Um, for women who see, who are tested, you know, test positive, they, they realize they're pregnant and who see their baby in an ultrasound, they are 95, on the 95th percentile are going to choose life. Wow. And so that in and of itself, uh, this last year, 2021, our statistics, uh, between the two centers that we operate here in Northwest Houston, we saw 2,000 clients. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and so, and and we are, we, we get some uh, clients who come in, uh, men and women, and, and they are excited. They're like, man, we're not sure if we are, but if we are, we're excited. Mm. And we're happy to serve anyone and everyone. Yeah. But our heart is really to hit, to to meet the men and women who may not be sure or who may think, in fact, they are, you know, abortion is the only option that they have. Like, that's the real battlefield, right, for, for saving lives. And so, I mean, that, that's a huge number of people, right? And just knowing that if they get that information in front of them, if they're able to see that life with their own eyes, what a difference that yeah. makes. And so that's a big work of the center. Another statistic... Um, can't remember the exact percentage. It's the, but anyways, the the most influential person in a woman's decision is is the man, mm. and so realizing that, right, we're looking to say, hey, if we're really looking to support this woman and and her decision in every way possible, what are we doing with with the guy that that may be accompanying her? Right, is he just sitting out in the waiting room, and we're we're leaving her to make this decision, her to get the information, mm. right? leaving it up to her to disseminate this information, her to, to draw answers out of him if he's not being forthcoming. And just realizing that it might be a really, you know, small task to to start putting men in our centers who could meet with that guy and share some of the same information with him, provide him with a confidential atmosphere to ask questions that he might not, uh, you know, there's questions that I feel more comfortable in and at ease with my own ignorance, like with my doctor, then, you know, with maybe my wife, I like to seem like right. I have, a, you know, put put together a little <laughs> bit more. I'm a little bit more knowledgeable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's different scenarios in which you're like, yeah, I really don't know what I'm doing. What, what Do you have any information? Can you help me? And so we kind of create a space for him to ask questions, uh, for us to, uh, we call it peer counseling, mm-hmm. um, for us to ask him, what what is he thinking, right? Mm-hmm. A, a lot of, uh, whether it's sharing the gospel or anything you do, uh, Faithbridge knows well the, the power of good question asking. Right. And so it's kind of creating a space to ask him, like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What did you just see? How far along do you think she is? What would that mean for you? Mm-hmm. And just giving him a space to talk. And um, despite the um, stereotypes that we get as guys as being, you know, private and withholding, it, you might be surprised the number of guys you ask the first question or two, and then they fill up the remainder of time talking. Right. Um, a lot of guys are looking for a place to to be heard um, a safe place um, to get some feedback. And so we try to create that space for him. And uh, a big part of that is um, the the culture that we're living in over the past 50 years has done a really good job of training men across the board to to be a silent observer, right? The, to say that to be respectful of a woman, you need to just be there and be ready to, to back her play. Um, 
And for some, that may be what those women would would prefer. Uh, but a lot of women, uh, by their their own disclosure and conversations, they're wanting to know what he's thinking, right? And statistically, he is the number one factor into the decision that she makes. But if he's holding back, thinking that to be a good guy means to just be quiet mm. and to just you know be like, "Hey, I'm here for you, babe. I'm I'm with you," and she's like, "I'm making a huge decision. Right, like, can, right. give me some input, yeah. right?" Um, so one of the questions that we'll ask is, how are, how are you feeling about it? And have you told her that yet? Yeah. Yes, no, why? What are, you, what are you thinking about that? How, you know, I was speaking to a, a guy recently and uh, he was very much following that mindset of, I'm just, I don't want to influence her. I love her. I want to be with her. Um, and, and then he mentioned at one point, she asked why I was being so cold or, or withheld, mm -hmm. withholding. Mm -hmm. And he acknowledged that that he was would actually be kind of excited to be a father, mm. but he didn't want to steer her. Um, and so, I mean, his heart was totally in the right place, right? And he was willing to be whatever she wanted to be, except to step up and lead, or at least meet her, you know, midway uh, with his input on this decision. Wow. And so, um, a lot of times, it's really just simple question asking, mm -hmm. and help again helping them to arrive. Uh, and understand their own feelings and thoughts on the matter. Um, and and then in different cases, it's kind of presenting different options. Yeah. No, that's so good. You know, you you talk about, yeah, the, the stoic, you know, male that we're often conditioned to be. And there's a stereotype that men don't want to talk. And I tell people all the time, if there's anything that I've learned in my time uh, working with men at FaithBridge, it's that the reality is men want to talk, but they don't know if they have a safe place to talk. And then when you give them that same, that, that safe place, you can't shut them up. It's so freeing. Um, and I just think, you know, we'll, we'll do, you know, men's events a couple times a year here and we'll, we'll, we'll send out surveys to the guys and ask them, you know, what was the most part of, you know, impactful part of the, the experience? Was it the talk? Was it this? Was it that? Hands down, not even a close second, the, the number one answer we get is the discussion around the table and the community built around the table. And so for the guys here at FaithBridge, that can be pretty easy to come by, right? You know, come to this shop talk event or this men's breakfast or this men's Bible study or whatever, and, you know, you can find that, right? But again, not unlike the women um, that find themselves walking into y'all's office, the, the men in these situations, I imagine often don't have that low-hanging fruit safe opportunity. And so for you to provide that for them, for you to ask those those genuine, caring questions, allowing them to have that safe space to process, um, I can't imagine how powerful that must be in the lives of, of one of these men. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of going back to some of our earlier conversation, you know, with just some of that, that generational influence in following Jesus or knowing what it means what it can look like to, to be a man and a man of God. And um, I remember early on in my time here at FaithBridge, that was one of the things that I started to really glean in every opportunity as I got to sit with um, a godly man, especially those who were fathers and who had been fathered by other godly men. And I remember conversations, you know, with like Ken and him like talking about things that, that he would speak to William and Wesley about and pray over them. And he, that his father had prayed over him. I was like, oh, that's really good. Yeah. And I was always keeping like a little scratch pad in my pocket or Dan would talk about something. I was like, oh, that's really good. Yeah. And so while I didn't have a, a, 
a father figure who was following Jesus, God, as I kind of began to to seek that out for myself, he began to supply me with just so much godly wisdom uh, from, a, from a fathering perspective, especially, that I was looking for as a young father myself. And I kind of just, yeah, began to com- compile all that. But a lot of these guys coming in, it's like they, you know, they're generational. If they have a father figure at all who is a positive one, you know, again, a lot of times the, the best the world has to offer is just just being there, but maybe not willing to say anything. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's it's taking that opportunity to, to step in, even when they may not be at a place where they, they know they need it yet, and, you know, assess the situation and go, well, there's an opportunity to interject some godly wisdom in this young man's life at, at, yeah. a, at a critical point and, and see what he might do with that. Yeah, that's so good. So uh, if there's any men listening who are, are hearing you talk about, you know, just the amazing work that y'all are doing and what an incredible opportunity it, it is to be able to be a safe place for, for these men to provide that sort of mentorship, that counsel, that encouragement, that hope, um, whether they're just kind of their curiosity is piqued or whether they're like, no, this is an issue that I'm passionate about. I'm ready to go all in, you know, wherever in that spectrum a guy finds themselves. Um, what would that look like? What would their next steps be? That sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I just encourage you to um, to reach out, uh, send me an email, give me a call. Um, and, you know, just let me know what you're thinking. We've had some guys that have begun to reach out in recent months um, who were just, hey, I've got some extra time. We've, I've, you know, we've been... We've given financially to to CareNet for a number of years, so there there's been some engagement, but there's never really been an opportunity for me beyond periodic work projects to to give of my time and myself in, in such a way. Uh, what does it look like? And I've had some come in that are are very um, very seasoned in, in in coaching and discipling and things like that, so it might might seem like a little bit more of a normal fit for them. And I've had some who are very hesitant going in, going, "I'm not sure if this is right for me." Uh, but I know God's given me the time, mm-hmm. and I am passionate about reaching people with the gospel. This might be a really cool opportunity. So some are kind of feeling it out as they go. Uh, so the first step would be a conversation. Uh, second step, we tour our facility with anyone who's interested in kind of doing a come and see and um, sharing a little bit more in that. And uh, then for anyone who continues to show an interest, uh, we've got a lot of training that we do. We don't just throw people into the deep end. Um we do a lot of uh, training and equipping to kind of bring people up to speed. And then we've got a mentoring process where you get to observe someone like myself meeting with guys. And, um, and yeah, that, that's a little bit of a, an overview of what the process looks like. But the bulk of our ministry is volunteer-led. That's great. We've got a, a pretty small staff uh, between the two offices, uh, and even quite a few of those are just part-time. The bulk of the people who are meeting with the, the men and women coming into our centers are volunteers from our local churches, wow. which I think is awesome. That is great. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, and we'll we'll make sure we put this in the description of this episode as well. But what is uh, your email address that you can be contacted at? It's Jason at carenetnw.com. Perfect. Care, uh, Jason at carenetnw.com. And we'll make sure we put that in the description. Um and I'm, I'm praying um, for many, many men who would rise up and step up to what an amazing opportunity to uh, encourage men, disciple men, evangelize them, give them encouragement and hope, and ultimately, by God's grace, um, see many, many you know, lives saved, and then those babies you know, 
to of course grow up to be godly men and women and, and just start a uh, a chain reaction so to speak of of life and of hope um, powered by the grace of Jesus yeah it's very cool some of those who are instrumental uh, in our organization or and in, in the in the organization nationally have you know been affected by a pregnancy decision in some way or, or a near you know what could have been a near miss you know from a parent who was in a bad situation or was considering something, but they chose life. And to see, you know, of course, those individuals are so glad that their mother and and or father chose life to, for them to have the opportunity to live the life that they're living now and and being used by God for some really cool things. Praise the Lord. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being here today to share your story and just what the Lord is doing uh, through uh, you and the other amazing staff and volunteers at CareNet and how the men of of, uh, Faith Bridge can rise up and help these dads do what we've been calling one another to do all season, uh, fight the good fight. And men, thank you for joining us on this journey to fight the good fight, to believe the true gospel and to be transformed by the gospel And I I can hardly think of a better way to evidence that transformation than giving your life to invest in the life of another man, a dad, and the exponential effect that that can happen. So men, if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate, subscribe to, and share this podcast so we can reach more men with the hope and the beauty and the truth of the gospel. And so we can lock arms to fight the good fight together. Men. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Faith Bridge Men podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe so you can catch future episodes and help us spread the good news by rating and reviewing the podcast and sharing this episode with another man who would be helped by the content. And we will catch you next time on the Faith Bridge Men podcast. Until then, keep fighting the good fight.